Welcome back to another episode of Louisiana Ladies. My name is Melissa Torito. And I am Maggie Robinson. And this is a podcast with with no no agenda. We would love if you guys would subscribe to the podcast and that way you never miss a new episode. Additionally, when you subscribe, if you could rate and review, we would really appreciate that as well. We are also on social media, both Instagram and Facebook, so please give us a follow at Louisiana Ladies Podcast. And Maggie? You can reach us at our email address, louisianaladiespodcast at gmail.com. We are back. We have uh, missed a week. I think we skipped last week, right, Lainey? Uh, Up against a deadline here at our CPA firm that me and Maggie like to pretend doesn't affect us, and but until it does, right? But we have uh, Lindsay, am I saying Duga? Duga. Duga, who was our celebrity sighting (laughs) whenever we did our local crawl back on the in the hottest day of 2021. It was a hot day. It yeah. was a hot day. Whenever we walked into Red Stickers and they were like, do you want a mimosa? We were like, yes, yes, and water. We need both of those things. It's so hot. So, Lindsay, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Lindsay, and Lindsay was there looking fabulous because you were just, you were taking... Um, I had just done a photo shoot for a 225 article. But you're also looking fabulous today. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so we walked into Red Stick Reads. They, they, they're they adorable. They are so I, wonderful. You shout them out. Let's yeah. do it at the beginning. Like, yeah. they make me feel like they, like, I'm the best person in the world or oh, something. Oh, a thousand percent. Like, you walk in and they're like, oh my God, you're here. Well, it's already <laughs> like, we're we're friends already. You know, like, as soon as I started talking, like, oh, you do, you like this and like this. And it's just, they really care about building a community mm-hmm. here. And it's just, it's so heartwarming. As soon as I knew that that uh, shop popped up, I was so excited. But them, as owners, they, they make it. I kind of want to look at Terry and be like, do you ever get mad? Like, she just is <laughs> not, like, she just full of positive yeah. all the time every time we've seen her so uh so yeah I stopped in there a couple of weeks ago I'd ordered some books and I picked up one of Lindsay's books that I'm currently reading so we'll talk about all of that in just a second and your journey to becoming a local celebrity author nice. <laughs> <laughs> all right so Lindsay where are you from um oh that's that's a good question <laughs> originally not from here but I have definitely lived here the longest So um, I would say about 18 years, Um, but originally I was born in West Virginia and my dad moved us around a little bit because of his job. Um, So I lived in uh, Fernandina Beach, Amelia Island, Florida for about five years. Mm -hmm. Lovely childhood. Wish whenever I was younger, I would have appreciated the beach much more, but I just did not like the sand everywhere. Uh, And then we moved to Texas and so lived in the woodlands uh, right outside of Houston for yeah. about five years. Yeah, and then true. came to Gonzales, went to high school in Baton Rouge and college at LSU. And I've been here ever since. Okay. So. It's home. It's home. Yeah. So it feels like home. It's home. I do feel like Baton Rouge 
feels like home to a lot of people, even if they were not necessarily born here. So I think that does make it unique, even though we have hurricanes, hottest shit weather in August. And humidity. And just humidity. Out the door. Out the door. (laughs) Good food and people, and it feels like home. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, it's like the, it's the largest small town I feel like you've ever been in. It's just everybody knows everybody. There's connections. There's community building. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we are, like, what are we, like, top five for the worst traffic? But that's okay. We're working on that. We're, we're about to, Interstate's about to have construction for the next, I don't know, 20 years. I know. I was going to say, I was just like, more like 20 years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My husband's like, um, I'm probably going to have to get an apartment by work. That's. And I was like, that's fine. Yeah. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. <laughs> so I live on the other side of town, but all of the coffee shops that I write in, are in this area and I'm like what am I gonna do for like two years I don't know if I'm gonna be able to go and write as at my coffee shops as much anymore so why don't you just move on to this on this side of town (sighs) because I really don't want to buy a house again I don't want to go through the house buying process. It is actually not right I now. was in the middle of, it was one of the most stressful times of my life. I was trying to go through like three different versions of a book that I was trying to get out in uh, the fall. And my realtor was like, do you want this house or not? And I was like, you don't understand. I'm, I've got two jobs and I'm trying to get this book published. And you know, like, it was, it was very stressful. I don't want to do that again. <laughs> it, well, it just FYI. Um, it never is not stressful. It's never is not stressful. So, you know, uh, we bought a house whenever we first got married. Or maybe Patrick had done, maybe done that before we got married. And then we bought another one. Yeah. And then we bought another one. And now we're in our third house. And I would say the buying to me, personally, I've been on both sides. The buying is not as stressful as the selling. Oh, I don't want to ever sell a house. Like, I know I'll have to probably eventually. But I never had to because I went straight from apartment living to my first townhome, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Don't, don't want to sell. I really don't want to sell." Well, so this I've is, seen friends sell. Don't want to do it. This is the thing about selling a house to all that have been through it. Like your house to me, I love how we're not even talking about your books. But yeah, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get there. This is what makes this podcast <laughs> so special. Um, but I feel like there's a certain level of pride that you have in your house, whatever it may be. You love it. It's got special memories too. And so then when like other people start to come look at your house and the realtor gives you their feedback and you're like, what do you mean they don't like the floor plan? This is a great floor plan. What is wrong with these <laughs> It becomes very people? personal. It becomes personal. Yeah. And emotional. So. What do I, you mean you don't like that color on the walls? Yeah. I chose that and painted it. I mean, and I mean, like, so my real estate agent, who's also my sister-in-law, she said that one time it got so, um, I don't want to say aggressive, tense between the buyer and the seller. They had to sit in separate rooms at the closing. Oh my god! I mean, this was pre-COVID when you could all like be together. But Whoa. yeah, I was like, well, see, I'm not really, I'm not. Yeah, I don't want to get into that situation. So yeah. anyway, I don't blame you one bit. But you know, this side of town is kind of fun. I know. I love Mid City. I love this whole area. So um, I feel like once people move to this side of town, I mean, I make it sound like we're in, we're in Houston, you yeah, know, or something. But once they move to this side of town, they don't have a tendency to leave. Yeah. Is that the coffee? Which coffee shop do you write at? Oh, uh, so I write at, I want to say like almost all of them, but most frequently City Roots, uh, Lighthouse, and Magpie. Those are the three that I go to most often. Like, they know me at Magpie at this point. They're just like, oh yeah, you want a Pop-Tart and an Earl Grey? Got it. It's fine. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Maggie, maybe we need to go over it's there. It's really good. Business they got amazing pastries. 
So shout out to Magpie, I guess. Yeah, Magpie. <laughs> we need to have those. We need to have those owners on. Do we know? That? Yeah, I'm assuming you know them. I don't, but I doubt it would be hard. We will find out. <laughs> we didn't know you either, Lindsay. <laughs> All right. So now that we're talking about that, so have you all, in terms of just, to me, like writing a book yes. is such this foreign undertaking to me, right? So it was I, to me too. Okay. So have you all, just growing up, did you like to read and write or like what, what kind of sparked this passion? Yeah. So um, when I was younger, I was an avid reader. I loved reading. Um, I think the books that I probably read the most were anything that had to do with royal princesses uh, or ghost books, um, which is very indicative of my the current books that I have out right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I loved the Royal Diary series. Uh, I read a lot of Mary Downing Hahn and Betty Brenwright. Um, I went through this whole ghost book phase where I was just like, give me every single spooky story that you have. Uh, And maybe that's just for middle graders, but I've always been an avid reader. Um, I always used to also make up my own stories, even if they were just in my head. Um, Around seventh grade, I met a really good friend. Uh, Her name is Bridget. Uh, We're still friends to this day if she lives in California and we've been long distance for a very long time. Um, But she and I uh, saw a movie together. We found it was Pirates of the Caribbean. We fell in love with, like, being a pirate. We're like, this is such a cool movie. Like, what if we expanded this world and had our own characters as pirates? And so we started trading chapters back and forth where she would have a character and write some. And then I would read her chapter and then we would exchange it. And we did that for a long time through middle school and a little bit into high school. Um, And then she went off and decided to be a sociologist. And I was like, well, I can't stop writing these stories. Um, So I ended up coming up with my own concept in college. And uh, my friend was like, why don't you actually try getting this published? And I never thought about it. It was just something I did as a hobby. I didn't see it as an actual career or even a thing that could happen. Because like you, publishing and how to get a book published was a total mystery to me. Um, you didn't have authors visiting schools when I was a kid, or at least I never met any like that. Um, so learned how to, basically I did a lot of Googling, a lot of research and figuring how to get that done, but that's how I got really into it. Okay. So do you have an agent? I do. Oh, yeah. So official. Yes. (laughs) Normally if you have published books with publishers, nine times out of 10, you have an agent. Okay. So... At this point, go ahead. Maggie has a question, yes. folks. Well, you were trading tra- chapters with your friend. Yes. That actual book got published? So- no. Okay. No, no. Because I'm that- like, are y'all like joint authors? No, 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 no. That, that's just how I found out that I loved it so okay. much. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, so you had... She would kill me if I ever published that book. I love that, though. <laughs> She'd be like, how dare you? <laughs> um. So, so you figured out the steps. I guess, I mean... We had somebody else on here who, as a hobby, she likes to write. She hasn't gotten anything published, but she said she just basically sends in her writings or her work mm-hmm. to publishers. How do you do that? Or did you get an agent first? Yeah. So I mean, not I'll, to tell us all the secrets, but I'm just curious. No, no, no. I'll, like, I'll take you through you the journey. you got this big stack yeah. of paper that's a, you're trying to make it into a book, mm-hmm. right? That's and what I'm envisioning. Okay. It's, it's really... Uh, 
there's a lot of different ways to get published and to break into the industry, but I'll tell you how I did it and what normally happens. Um, so I wrote my first book in college. And while all of my classmates were like going to Dallas and New York and because uh, I'm also in advertising and uh, they wanted to do at those big agencies and get amazing creative director jobs. And I was like, I actually really just want to write my book and find a local agency that I can grow with. I already had a lot of connections uh, via the American Advertising Federation local chapter in Baton Rouge. Shout out to them. <laughs> um, but I found through connections, I found my job at Gatorworks currently. And on the side, I was like, every time I got home uh, from work, I would go and research how to get published. And I had this book. And the first thing I realized I had to do was it was not ready. <laughs> That's basically the first thing you learn in your publishing journey is just because you have a draft of a book does not mean it's ready to be published. Um, I had to go through a lot of editing. Um, and I found critique partners and beta readers to st swap stories with, some of which I still talk to today. And we continue to exchange manuscripts and I get their feedback and they get mine. Um, you know, writing can be super isolating. So it's really great that you have those relationships with other writers so you can talk and uh, bounce ideas off of. So that was the first step in that journey. Uh, and then I went to a lot of conferences, a lot of writing conferences. One was a local place in Lake Charles. They did a conference called Bridge to Publication, and they brought agents down from New York that you could actually pitch your book to. Um, and they have other conferences like that. One was the Writers League of Texas that I went to in Austin. And basically, I just learned... Uh, how to pitch my book, how to prepare it, how to get it ready to put it in front of agents. And then you go through a process called querying. Uh, querying is an extremely stressful time um, because basically you're saying, I have this beautifully polished manuscript that I've edited like seven times, thanks to beta readers. Um, and now I have this query that I have. And basically a query is like the back of the book blurb. You know how you're reading. It's not necessarily a summary, but it's just enough to draw you in. Oh, wow. So you have to write that for your book. You have to do comp titles, explain uh, your, what your word count is, uh, any other writing accolades you may have. Um, and then you send that query off to a bunch of different agents that represent your genre. And you have to research agents because some only represent adult. Some, some only represent... Uh, nonfiction. And if you're a middle grade or young adult author, you need to make sure that you go after agents that represent your age group and your genre. And they also have specific things that they look for. They're like, I'm really interested in uh, fantasy. I'm really interested and in, I want diverse books. I want LGBTQ. Um, and so they have all of that in their bio. You research that and then you start querying agents. Um, that process can take years. Oh, uh, it took me, yeah, yeah, it took years. Most people can see my face right now. I'm like, oh my God, okay. <laughs> it, it's a long process. Um, I actually went through my first book, um, No Bites. I got some agents that were interested in reading the full manuscript, uh, but none of them signed on with that one. So I had to shelve it. That's what we call in the industry is whenever you give up on a book, you shelve it. Um, and then I went through the same I thing with the second book. Quick. Yes. Did that... 
hurt your heart to Absolutely. have to shelve that book. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay, I'm just going to add a few questions come to mind while we're talking about this. So, when you did the yes. beta, you know, this is, um, it, let's see, I don't know how to put this. I feel like, again, you've written this manuscript, right? Mm-hmm. And you probably know it needs some editing. You know, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to write something and be like, oh, nailed it on the first try. You'd be surprised. Oh, well, sure. <laughs> so, so, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a point with this. And I'll, yes. clearly, I, Maggie knows and Lainey knows, I typically bring things back to myself. So I'll uh-huh. explain this. But the beta and the, the people that were coming back with the edits, yes. were some of them hard, like a tough pill to swallow with? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yes. I mean, and did some did you just not agree with? Because you were like, that's not my vision. That's not where I, that's kind of changing the trajectory of what I'm trying to do. Okay. So a really good editor tells you um, what's wrong with the book, but they don't tell you how to fix it. They can tell you the pacing slow. They can tell you the character development isn't working in these areas, but they don't tell you like how to fix it. Um, that's a good editor. Betas and critique partners, they of course have their own idea of what that book should be. They're a little bit more granular of like, here's what maybe you could do to fix this. So there's a lot of times where you don't necessarily agree with their vision versus your vision, but you do have to recognize that, um, it's all subjective and some people may like, you know, I I got conflicting, um, feedback from betas readers all the time where one of them thought the pacing was great and then the other one was just like oh my god it's so slow um so you have to kind of balance that and yes i've gotten a lot of feedback from really great critique partner who ripped my third book about apart which was kiss the royal um and it was it was ripped to shreds i had to put it basically in a metaphorical drawer in my laptop and not look at it for, I want to say, six to seven months. Okay. It was that brutal. And then I came back to it, realized all of her notes were very well thought out. Um, I agreed with almost everything. And I didn't have to rewrite it, but there was a really big overhaul in that manuscript. Okay. Uh, three months later, I sold it. Wow. So some it really helps sometimes. If you find a good critique partner who knows what they're talking about and can be really honest with you, they're worth their weight in gold. And I can see that. So I, I, the reason I'm asking these questions is because one of my dreams is to be a keynote speaker, yeah. not an author. Okay? Uh-huh. Like, I, like I love to read. I've said this over and over on the podcast. That is my happy place, reading. We're yes. going to Hawaii in a couple of months. And I'm like, about I, if I read four to five books in that two weeks, I'll be disappointed. But I haven't explored what it really takes to be a keynote speaker uh-huh. out of sheer fear that somebody's going to, one, tell me I'm terrible at it when I think I'm, yeah, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. But like, you know, basically, I don't want to have my hopes and dreams completely crushed. But I, in criticism in general, in anything, your job in life, whatever it may be, is just, you know, it can be kind of hard at first in the long run depending on who it is that's doing the critiquing, you know, I think that it's well, like you said, it's worth its weight in gold. I do think it's hard for people to see that at the beginning. It it absolutely is. It would be for me. I'm stubborn and I'm confident. It absolutely is. And I think it's even closer, like writing a book feels so personal. Right. Um, And it's your characters. It's your baby. You spent nine months on this book and, and writing it. And then someone is just like, no, it's, not as good as you think it is. <laughs> um, it does hurt, but in being a writer, 
I think most writers would agree with me, you get used to it. You get used to rejection. Uh, you get used to critique and you develop a really tough skin. Okay. Because um, you have to. You have to. If you, you want to keep pursuing, um, it's it's not for the faint of heart. If you get your feelings upset easily, you just got to try and move past that. Um, but it is, but at the end of the day, it becomes really rewarding once you do take their criticism and like understand that they are coming from an outside perspective. You're too close to it sometimes. You can't see those glaring errors. You can't see this gigantic plot hole in your book. Um, so it, yeah, really is. It's great, but it, it can be tough. Yeah. So, okay. So go back to what you were saying. So you go through this process of the summary and then submitting it to the agents and then some of them asked you to, yeah, to okay. read it. And then you shelved, you had to shelve that book and move on to your next one, which I'm assuming as an author, again, you probably constantly have ideas of what you want to write. Is yeah, that, is most that right? Of the time. Like, I'm just like when you say you go write at a coffee shop. Like once again, I envision like me and Maggie going to write at a coffee shop and <laughs> open up our laptop and being like, "Okay, what are we going to write and about?" Blank you know? page. Yeah, <laughs> like writer's block to to the extreme. Um. So in that process, I I want to say each of those querying was like 36 rejections per book. Um, and that's just how many agents I queried for those particular book and 36 for whatever number stands out to me. Maybe it's because I had it all on a spreadsheet at one point. It definitely did. Um, cause I kept track of that's accountability when I, too. yes, yeah, absolutely. I can see that. Um, and so in my third book, which was, uh, again, kiss of the Royal, I had actually entered a Twitter pitch contest. Um, and the time that I was starting to break into publishing, uh, writing contests were very popular. Um, there was all these different types of contests that you could apply to and um, submit your work to, and that would get you in front of agents that much faster. Because querying is also an extremely slow process. I had an agent get back to me a year, over a year since I actually sent the query in. Um, and then I like the sales process for retirement plans. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> and then I've, uh, and then I've had it a rejection as fast as an hour and a half after I sent it. It varies. It very much Maybe varies. I guess it just depends on the person and how soon they can make a decision. Yes. Or and if they're clearing out their inbox, if they're in different parts of that process, um, totally depends. But so I was doing a Twitter pitch contest, which basically I had, uh, written a tweet, uh, with a certain hashtag for that um, contest. It was called hashtag pitmad. And agents could scroll through that contest feed and then they would like a tweet. And if you liked the tweet, then you submitted the rest of your materials to them and it kind of jumped you ahead of what they call the slush pile. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what is your tweet? brutal out there. Um, is it like a quick... Yes, synopsis of your. It was a. It was just like a. Think of a quick elevator pitch. Okay. Um. I think if I remember correctly, it was so many characters. Yes. (laughs) Uh. Kisses are weapons, and love is a fairy tale. But one prince is desperate to prove that wrong. So it was something along those lines. That's something a writer and author can do. That. Maggie and I are still trying to perfect our elevator pitch. I've been doing this for 13 years. We're working. Pitches are not easy. You have to condense an entire book into 25 words. It's 
Not fun. Yeah, like that, when you said that, I'm like, okay, maybe I could write, I mean, I'm not going to write a book, but I'm like, okay, I get it. You could write a book, you know, write a story, have it develop it. Oh my God, to put it in like, yeah, condense it. Yeah. And oh. then, and then try and pitch that book to an agent who's sitting across from you at a table and you're just like sweating bullets. It's not a fun process. Yeah. Okay. Right? yeah. Um, so that tweet got, actually got favorited by an assistant editor at a uh, publishing house called Entangled Teen. And so they were more of a boutique publisher, small, uh, but their larger distributor was Macmillan. So they could get you into um, Barnes & Noble, you know, do all the publishing process for you. Um, and then also, you know, do marketing plans, although a lot of that responsibility still falls on the author nowadays. Um so I submitted my work and went to Seattle, actually, with my friend Bridget, ironically. Uh, and I had touched down in New Orleans and checked my email because I was just like, okay, I know she's reviewing my work. I don't, you know, I don't want to jinx it. I was really trying hard not to look at my email that entire trip. Touched down in my New Orleans and she's like, we want to take it to acquisitions. Acquisitions is the next phase because once an editor says yes to you, because I actually skipped the agent process um, for this first book. And I skipped that process, went straight to the editor because of uh, that pit mad contest. So you were basically acting as an agent on your behalf. In in some okay. aspects, yeah. Okay. So once I knew that they were going to take it to acquisitions, which is the next step of like, an editor really likes it, but the whole team has to like it. So they actually have to get in front and, and pitch your book and be like, on I think behalf. we believe it. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. And so that acquisitions team is like, yes, we want to take it. This is what we want to do with it. Etc. So when I knew that was happening, I reached out to an author friend who already had an agent. I was like, would your agent be willing to talk to me? Because I think I'm about to sell my book. And they were like, of course, because we've already done, like, they've already, I've already done their work for them. Because an agent's job is to take your work, sometimes edit it. There can be editorial agents, but they're supposed to submit to editors and have that relationship with editors and sell your book to editors on your behalf. Mm -hmm. That's why they get a 15% cut okay. on your royalties. Okay. Um, so that's how agents work. And so I got... So you, but the, in order for the agent to do that, the, the agent has to believe in you. Yes. Right? Yeah. That's okay. that's why the querying process is so important because they're the gate gatekeepers to the editors in the publishing houses. Because think of, like, all of the people trying to get their books published yeah. and going directly to the editors that they wouldn't get anything done. So okay. that's why agents exist. So in this case, so then you you ended up with an agent and then this yes. book, I'm assuming, yeah. went to full Yeah, they, they read my book in, like, three days and they were like, yes, absolutely, we want to represent you and we want to... Because um, one of the other good things to have an agent is they read all of your legal contracts on your behalf. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know, they, they fight for... Uh, foreign rights, um, audio rights, film rights for your book, uh, the percentage of royalties, um, the advance, all those different types of things that you would negotiate in a contract, they uh, help get you the better deal of it. Okay. Okay. So that's an agent's job. Very important. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's very important. Um, and so that's how I got published with my first book, which didn't come out for another two years. So I signed my contract in 2016, and it did not come out until 2018. Wow. Yeah. 
But since then, you've had seven books. Published. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, that's a lot of writing. It is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like and, you've had like two. And the crazy thing is that, like, once you get published, there is no guarantee you're going to get a second book published. Um, you you have to keep trying unless that first one is a breakout success, but that can be pretty rare for a lot of authors. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to continue. Like, I've still gotten, I want to say, three books I have tried to push through with editors, and I've had to shelve those three books with my agent. Okay, so I have a couple of questions. Yeah. Um, and this one's going to be a little nosy, but I'm just curious. Okay, so... To me, like when you are an author, you are essentially an entrepreneur. You know that you are you're trying. Yes, you like to write, but you know at the end of the day, like if it's no longer a hobby, you want to make some money off of it. Sure. Too. So upfront, like when you, you know, let's just say you would have gotten an agent first. Mm-hmm. Does that agent take a retainer upfront? Like, a, do you have to pay the no. agent upfront? Okay. Absolutely not. Okay. That that scam. Okay. That gotcha. so never ever for any. Uh, aspiring Upcoming writer authors. authors out there never ever pay your agent up front okay the agent is supposed to get a fee from what you make off of their sell yeah so their fee is contingent yes. on how well the book does or what you know absolutely they get 15 percent of whatever you make from your publisher okay so do you have to pay for inventory of the book well no, you you don't. The the only thing that you would have to pay for is uh, further copies. So in your contract, you could say like, I get fifty copies of the first run just to have and give away as I see fit. Mostly, you give them away for promotional purposes. Um, if you want to get more copies, though, you would have to pay for it. You get it at a discounted price, but yeah, I've I've always had to buy. Like boxes of my books. But let's say that the publisher is then sending them to Red Stick Reads. You don't have to pay. So, okay. Is it, are you following me? You know, like if I were to open up like a store yes. and we were going to sell this microphone, I would have to buy the microphone and then I would have to sell it. But that's not necessarily the way that. It no, works. so so publishers sell to bookstores. Okay. Um, okay. And I you feel just like get a... are like, Melissa, you are an idiot. But no, 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 no. I did not know how this worked. No, I. I Promise you I did not either. Not until I started looking into it. And also, crazy story. Um, I love telling this story. Uh, Kiss of the Royal had a very different cover from the one that's out right now. Mm. Um, the first cover was like blue and then there was like a dragon in the clouds and then there was a castle. And I was like, oh my gosh, this fits the book perfectly. I love the lettering. It was so beautiful. Um, and then Barnes & Noble rejected it. Barnes and Noble had the power to say no to my cover because they were like, we don't believe that cover is going to sell. We can't put it on is our shelves. Why sometimes there's two different covers on the same book. Not at Barnes, but I've seen like books that or the cover has changed. That's that's when they do a different run and they want to update it. God, gotcha. because they think this new cover will sell better or whatever. I, know uh, I hate when so, they change covers sometimes. I, I know you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover, but sometimes the cover does lead me you into absolutely the, should judge a book, like, don't judge a book by its cover. You like, absolutely should. I mean, you could say that about people, but like books. I mean, you know, I do no, like no, a no. Cover. If if a cover is going to grab me, I'll pick it up. Yeah, that's sometimes I will pick up a book by the cover and not even read a, what the book's about, and mm. then I just go. I actually very rarely read what a book is about. <laughs> 
before I read the book. And I read a ton of... Why are you looking at me like No, that? you don't. Because you don't. I don't. If somebody recommends a book or if I know an author, I'm like, I'll read that book. I'll see what it's all about, you know? Oh, know? that's that's not me. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta know what it's about. I, but. I probably should, but... Or, I mean... No, I, I shouldn't. Should. I like that. I do whatever like, I want. Okay. Go so, it. so they read in my cover and they return it to me. And y'all, so if you remember my book cover, it's black and pink yeah, and swirls, and then there's a dagger on yeah. it. They, the original cover that they gave to me didn't look at all like that. And then they gave me this new version, and it did not have a dagger. And I sat in my car, and it was a very emotional day. So. I might, there might have been some tears. I can't even remember this point, but I was just like, it looks like a contemporary art novel about two <laughs> college students falling in love. It looks like an Avril Lavigne album cover. <laughs> and I was so upset. Um, and then I was like, okay, here's the thing. I know I have zero say in this process. However, it does not look like a fantasy book. And if we're going to sell this as a fantasy book, it does need to have some kind of fantasy element to it. That's, that's my one take. So they're like, they put a dagger on it, and they're like, how about that? And I was like, okay, that's fine. Uh, and then I've gotten so many compliments about the cover. So nine times out of ten, they're right. They know they're they're going to gonna know what they're yeah. doing. And probably trying to do it in both your best interest and theirs. Yes, right? I mean, absolutely. You, at the end of the day, if you bring a book that far, you yes, you want people to get enjoyment, but you want to sell it. It you know? just blew my mind that Barnes & Noble had the power to say no like to that book. I feel like Barnes & Noble has a lot of power. They do. They do. And it was uh, and it was, it was was amazing because I was just like, I had never known that. But they rejected that cover, and uh, that's how I got this new one. Okay. So you're seven books in. Yes. Uh, you're going to continue to write. Yes. Uh, are any of these books a series? No. Okay. Um, one that I'm working on right now with Entangled is going to be potentially my first series. Uh, that one's been difficult because it's kind of started during the pandemic. There were so many changes in the publishing industry as with the rest of the world. Um, so it's kind of been on hold for a little bit. And mostly my most recent projects have been scholastic uh, middle grade horror books. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I love a good YA though. Just to let you know. I have no shame in my game on reading some of these YA. So I have another question. So as an author, do you ever read books written by other authors? And and I asked this to Chuck Hussmeyer. Do you know Chuck Hussmeyer? He writes, um, he's taken a couple of his books to uh, screenplay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to introduce y'all because he, him and his wife also like pirates. <laughs> I would I would love to talk they to They do. Yeah. So, um I was just wondering and I asked him this we had him on the podcast too and it was he was so much fun. But you know, as someone that does this for a living mm-hmm. and then you have some of these authors that just I mean, for lack of better words, they make it like their books are everywhere. Everybody's yes. talking about their books, but they might not be well-written books. <laughs> I mean, I am not the best judge of that. I'm more of a, you know, like, I'm just, I'm more, I want the book to entertain me. What I, what I do is yeah. I think too much at work and I just kind of want it to entertain me. Yeah. Every once in a while I can pick out if the writing's not great, but I'm definitely, I would not say I'm like this critic, right? But I mean, like, does that, that would just bother me. Like, if everybody's talking about, oh, you know, so-and-so. Yeah. I don't want to name any names, you know, and it's like. <laughs> 
all over the place. They've made this blockbuster movie out of it, and you're like, um, I'm a better writer than they are. Oh, like Fifty Shades of Grey? I'll yeah. Say it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like, no, it's it. Well, here's the thing. It's just like, how can you argue with a woman who has made literally probably piles of money? She's doing something right. Yeah. She's doing something right. Whether or not, like, the writing itself is prose, probably not. But she's appealing to an audience, and it's there, and you got to give her props to it. Um, That's fair. Yeah. And I will also stand by uh, the first book of Twilight. I still love that book to this day. Um, I don't know if the writing is as well as it as I thought of, as it was when I was like, what, 15, 14 when I was reading that book? Um, but it was engaging. I read it in like three days. Yeah. Uh, I hated the rest of the books. They just totally went off the deep end. I feel like the last one was probably the most disappointing one, if I remember correctly. They're all disappointing, in my opinion, except for it was been a, It's been a long time since I read that. But I did yeah. read, well, I'll write it because I was teaching at St. Joseph's Academy and all my students were reading oh, it. Oh, yeah. I was like, and, I'll read it. And it was mostly just like, the content and Bella's decisions, and I, I won't get into yeah, like I kinda, that. I, but to me, so to me as a yeah. non-author, I felt like it just veered. I don't know off course if I remember correctly. So, um, what about Hunger Games? Oh, Hunger that? Games! Uh, Stan Collins is an amazing writer. Um, however, I was distraught by that third book. I, yeah, I mean, spoiler alert for Hunger Games if you haven't. Yeah, but but when. When her sister died after all of that, I was like, that is why this whole thing started. And she's not even going to live. I was furious. There was just needless amount of violence, yes. I think. I just, a, that was a hard one to get through. And yeah. I actually, I really get mad at the end of the book when somebody that I have fallen in love with, a character, and then the author kills the character, yeah. off, for lack of better words, you know. Yeah. Uh, Game of Thrones, I started reading that one and I had a hard time because I'm like... Next time I turn around, they're dead. I've never actually tried to read Game of Thrones. But, I only can yeah. read through the first one. First, first of all, I am. Sh- I guess it's a well-written book. Too many characters with too many. Like it'd be like Lindsay is Dora and also you know Shine and I'm yeah. Like, okay, there's three other names. She's got three names. I can't do this. There's a gajillion characters in that book, but I know people that have read it and loved it. Oh yeah. So, who are some of your favorite authors? Uh, Rick Riordan is probably the first one that comes to mind. Um, well, pull up my Goodreads. I am too. a huge Greek mythology fan. Uh, and he was the first author that I think really did it great for kids. Like, it, Percy Jackson series is still mind-blowing to me. Um, but he wrote Percy Jackson, and he's got this entire world, a bunch of book series, um, based off different mythologies. He has also started this imprint called Rick Riordan Presents under Disney Hyperion um, that incorporates uh, diverse authors that write about their own mythologies across the world, um, which is, they're also really great, like Arusha. I mean, you're looking at me funny. Uh, well, I'm looking at Goodreads. Uh-huh. You know, that's my tried and true. Yeah, Goodreads. Uh, so, The Lightning Thief. Yes. So, listen to, to Lindsay, you are on to something. Yeah. Okay. This book has 4.28 stars on Goodreads and 2.4 million reviews. It's popular. Wow. There is even a musical, and I know all of the lyrics to it. (laughs) That is how big of a fan I am of Percy Jackson. And I think they're going to be doing a new uh, series on Disney Plus with it. I'm so excited because the movies were not great. But, um, yeah, so he's definitely one of my favorite authors. Um... 
he inspired me, I think, to write middle grade in that genre. Um, so total props to him. Um, Renee Abdia is another author that comes to mind. She wrote The Wrath and the Dawn and um, another young adult series, which was really good. Uh, Marissa Meyer has written my favorite young adult series to date, which is The Lunar Chronicles. Oh, I think I've heard of that one. It's, it's Cinder. The first book is Cinder. It's basically where Cinderella is a cyborg. Oh. I love it. Um, and I love fairy tale retelling, so that's um, right up my lane. I also really love um, thrillers. Uh, Lee Child, of course. I love the Jack Reacher series. Those are really fun to read. Are they scary? No, they're just, he's a he's an ex-military cop, oh, okay. and he just kicks ass everywhere. Okay. That's a good it's one. really good. Um, and they've got a new series on Amazon Prime called Reacher. It just came out. I'm, I'm watching it right now. It's so good. It's based off the first book, The Killing Floor. Um, Maggie, is she inspiring you? Well, I'm, I'm thinking about my niece right now because I grew up loving to read and mm-hmm. it's all into books. And I just feel like there's so many things that you can consume nowadays. Yes. I'm having trouble, like, convincing her, like, open a book. I swear it's going to be They're so amazing. good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, I'm like, do you have a a book that you would recommend, I mean, one of your books maybe for an 11-year-old who I'm just trying to get to yeah. reading or something? Uh, well, if she likes ghost stories, um, Gosh, she, then... She, maybe she doesn't know what she likes. She needs to read a few to figure it out. Yeah, but is there one that, like, just I need to get, get her, her in. hooked. I need to get her hooked. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, just Ella is really good. Um, that's a Cinderella kind of retelling, but... Um, let me think of a few other ones. I would definitely look into the Arusha books. The Arusha books are amazing. I think she would fall in love with Percy Jackson. I really do. It's a, it's a great middle grade voice. He's a sarcastic 12 year old kid. And he's just like, why is this happening to me? Um, yeah, he's, he's great. (laughs) I asked that that question to myself and I'm 40. It's, (laughs) it's super cute, super clever. Um, I also really love the Alex Ryder series. Um, I'm trying to think of a lot of the middle books. It sounds to me like you kind of gravitate towards series. Yeah, sometimes. Uh, I've read, I love a good series. Yeah, there's there's just so many of the series. There's more series, I think, than standalones. Really? Nowadays. Yeah, you get a lot of adult books can be, of course, standalones. But if you're creating a really intricate world... That's just naturally going to gravitate toward a series. And a lot of the times that happens with young adult middle grade. Yeah, I can see that. I'm kind of remembering that. Um, I did, uh, I brought this, I brought this up several times on the podcast, but one of the best series that I read as an adult was the uh, Pillars of the Earth series. Uh-huh. Antoinette. Yeah. Oh, I, I watched the miniseries. There was like a, there was a, a miniseries. Series. Yeah. Um, and that, so I'm more of the, um, I don't know what genre I like, really just, easy yeah yeah for lack of better words so I was just really surprised that I got so into that book I was just enthralled by that particular book you know so um okay so before we run out of time though got to get to some important items right so your books are sold at Barnes and Noble yes not Barnes and Noble's as uh, James and Terry from Red Stick Reads told us, and I was like, oh, I probably have to that more than that. Uh, and Red Stick Reads, of yeah. course. And uh, just another shout out to Red Stick Reads. I will tell you that I, they, you can email them, you can call them. 
Um, you can look on their website for the books, and if they don't have them, oh, they, they will order get them, them for you. Yeah, and then they'll email you and say that they're in. They'll even deliver them, and so they typically have a couple of yours. I don't think they had all of them in stock when I went, so I grabbed that one because it was one of the few that they ended up having. Yeah, had. in fact, he just Instagram messaged me and he's like, "Hey, I ran out of your books, so," and I was like, "Oh, I'll come by this weekend. I'll drop you off some more copies." Yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah. So, but they're usually there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least, I mean, there, there, I think there was only two there. One yeah, at least there. a few, but I'll make sure that they have all of them. Right now, it's uh, what's out is Kiss the Royal, Glow the Fireflies, and Roaring. Those are all young adult uh, fantasy paranormal genre. Um, and then I've got two middle grade horror books out called The Haunting and Ghost in the Headlights. And those are, think, Goosebumps ghost stories. Okay, so, you know, your book is our... Um, Louisiana Ladies Book of the Month, Kiss of the Royal. Yay! So, anyway, I'm really enjoying it. Like yeah. I said, I have no shame in my game. I will, I'll read a middle school book, you know? Oh, no. It, it's such a weird concept. My friend was like, are you sure you want to do that? Like, kisses as weapons? Or they're just, like, making out on the battlefield? And I'm like, well... <laughs> but it's a... Yeah, it's a really weird concept, and it's fun to try to explain it to people. Yeah, I actually kind of just feel like... And again, I'm only like 100 pages in. I I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, good. And different Uh and fantasy. And like you can kind of get like, I, you know, we all picture things when we're reading books. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of enjoying just picturing this world that these people are living in. And literally at this point, the only thing I know is they've been fighting this battle for like 500 years, Lindsay. I was like, good (laughs) Lord. (laughs) That's fantasy. That's fantasy. (laughs) Um, Actually, it's in Spanish. And I... My Spanish readers love it. They love the book. And I that was the coolest thing ever to me. I was like, oh my God, I'm in another language. This is so that is surreal. Cool. So congratulations yeah. on, on your success. I mean, Thank that's you. just really a lot of work, a lot of perseverance, yeah. you know. Um, a lot of waiting. A lot of waiting. So much waiting. <laughs> got to, got, got to prepare. <laughs> that that is the industry. Be prepared. God. Yeah. yeah. Don't worry. Uh, we, you, we will not be competitors. <laughs> I'm not writing anything. Okay. I might, again, once again, I think I can until I actually do it. Yeah. I'll probably just stay in my lane. Um, okay. So a few other fun facts, though, about you yes. that Lindsay had completed her questionnaire. So you are an Enneagram 5. Yes. I believe I am an 8. You're an eight. I can see that. Can you see that? A little bit. Yeah. What do you think Maggie is? Are we the same? I'm a two. No. Nine? I think I'm a seven. Seven or nine. Oh, you could be a seven. Yeah. I'm a I five for sure. I think I've scored both of those that you just said. Yeah. That's kind of great. Okay. Um, so if anybody's never done the Enneagram, um, Amy Brown talks about it on her podcast, but it's a free, I think you take the test for yeah. free. Uh, I would like, I took the test and they told me I was a one. I was like, I am not a one. Um, but I, I actually read through the excerpts of the book mm-hmm. and more of the descriptions and started learning about each individual number. And I kind of self, I was like, oh no, I'm a five. All of these fears, all of these desires, it's all a five. That, that's the whole point of it too, is to like pick which you what you resonates like you most? With you. Yeah, yeah. That stuff fascinates me. By the oh, way. me too. So, um, and you also have a Morky puppy named Delphi. 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 Yeah. Okay. How old is Delphi? She's five. She's not really a puppy anymore, but she's so small. Well, they always kind of act like puppies. Yeah, they're always puppies. Yeah, and they have a little bit of, especially the small dogs, they always kind of have some spring in their stuff. Yes. Um, okay, and so she is named after the ancient ruin site in Greece, and you basically. Sounds like you love Greece. I do. I love Greece. Yeah. Okay. Greek mythology, it's always been like one of my dreams to go. I went, I did study abroad in college 
And it was one of the best trips of my life, for sure. Yeah, I've always wanted to go to Greece. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. And it's, like, the coolest place I've ever been. Yeah, (laughs) it's beautiful. Like, the ruins. I need to go there before, like, anywhere. Should I go there before Italy? Oh, I don't know. They each have their own, like, I I would go to Greece purely for the historical Mm -hmm. aspect. Um, If you want to go to Italy just because of, it's a beautiful city, then, or, you know, Rome or all those things, then then I would go there because there's a lot more of what you can do, like going to see vineyards and stuff. With Greece, at least for me, I was just going to all the ruins. Yeah. But that's still cool. See, my husband, I think, would like that. I mean, we did the islands. I've heard the islands. Yeah, the islands are beautiful. Santorini. Yeah. I, uh, before COVID, we were thinking we would do some sort of like cruise, you know, uh, I like cruises for that type of thing because you don't have to like move all your crap everywhere. Yeah. You know, perfect. Okay. So you also know the entire lyrics to Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire. That's true. Yes. Um, That's, I'm, I'm thinking about that song and there's that part in it that there's a lot of words yeah yeah because i was like i feel like i know some of these words but i don't know if i can sit there yeah y'all know what i'm talking about i'm not gonna sing it now all right and then you kickbox i do so do you kickbox kickboxing well actually it's br krav maga yeah and i used one class there i used to take krav maga classes i used to but um the location where they move those classes to is not as accessible. And it's just like, when you go to the gym, you just want to go like in and out. It's got to be easy. It's got to be easy. It's got to be easy. Yeah. yeah. So do you do that for exercise or just stress relief or both. a combination of both? Honestly, both. I mean, I could probably go to the gym and do my own regimen and maybe work out at home. But I go because I can kick and punch things easily. Yeah. I might need to look into that. And it holds me accountable. Good self-defense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) I know how to punch things. Lindsay, she's forced to be reckoned with, you know? I feel like. A thousand percent. You could definitely hold your own. (laughs) Thank you. I would probably hide. Um, Anyway. Okay. And then I did want to ask you this, though. You said you've loved visiting Sedona, Arizona. Yes. Okay. So, um, I see, I feel like I see a lot of people go there. Mm -hmm. And what's the draw? I'm going to sound stupid. The Red Rocks. Okay. So, whenever you think of, like beautiful canyons and um desert shots of like red rocks out in the distance think sedona okay um the weather there is weather there is actually it's slightly so there's phoenix which is southern mm-hmm. flat arizona mm-hmm. uh, which is very very hot it's like a bowl there and then i think they were saying it's like 15 to 20 degrees hotter in Phoenix versus um, Sedona, which is an two hours away, okay. but the elevation is much higher. Yes. So you can actually get some uh, snow occasionally in the colder months. Oh, okay. uh, and then Flagstaff, the elevation is much higher and it gets very cold up in Flagstaff. You could actually uh, snow uh, ski and stuff. Oh, cool. Um, but Sedona is just so beautiful. Like it, you can go, and they have these things called vortexes. And I don't know if you've ever heard of, like, vortex energy, but it's, like, the positive and negative forces, and it actually is very good for healing. Um, and it's just these different, like, energies that's created by the Earth. It's I don't know very much about it. I, I think we only went to one vortex site. I don't think I felt really any different. You have to be kind of sensitive to, to magnetic energies to feel it. Uh, but it's really fascinating. Um 
got to see the Grand Canyon because mm-hmm. it was we just took a trip up there. It was like a bus tour. Um, and then we got to see Antelope Canyon, which is one of the most beautiful, unique places on Earth. It's Have you ever gone to Sedona? I've not been to Sedona. I've been to the Grand Canyon, but not to Sedona. I've never been yeah. to the Grand Canyon. I really need to expand my horizons it's in the next couple of years. unreal. Because like, you're looking cool. at it and you're like, it's so far away and so big that you might as well be looking at a picture. Because it's just like... Yeah, and probably a picture doesn't even do it justice. It, no, no, it doesn't. Um, but it's like the way, how far it is away, you're just like, it hardly feels real. Like it is, clearly. You're standing right there. And if you take too many steps, you could fall. Um, but it's it's so surreal. Yeah, I could, I could, I could, I could see that. All right, so uh, Patrick, who's my husband, so I'm going to let him know that we're going to go to the, we're going to go to Greece. Please. And yeah. Sedona at some particular point. Okay. <laughs> And then, if anybody's looking for a tasty snack, oh. <laughs> are y'all gonna laugh at me at this? No, I just no, sounds so good. funny. Have you ever had it before? No, but me and Maggie were talking about how we're in like a food rut, and we—I'm a snack person. Like, uh-huh. I would rather eat smaller meals and be able to snack on stuff. Uh-huh. So this sounds good to me: feta cheese and cucumbers. Yeah, and actually, you don't even need oil or anything like that. That sounds amazing. Um, it's just because you know feta is salty. Yeah. Um, and cucumbers and salt actually work pretty well together. Yeah. But cucumber is so light with the crunch. Ah, it's just really good. It sounds mm. like a great snack for going into our warmer summer months. Yeah. It is. It's very good. And if we could, like, you know, you know what I'm thinking of when we interviewed Jen Oaken? Mm-hmm. And she was, like, she talked about, like, the stuff. Oh, and she was, yeah. like, with a crisp rosé. And I'm, like, oh, I could pair that with a crisp glass <laughs> of crisp rosé. <laughs> love me, exactly a, love me a crisp rosé. she yeah. described it on her question. That's funny. I was, like, that sounds amazing, mm-hmm. you know. What so, if, like, I'll throw together this little board or Oh, charcuterie board. She's like, I'm <laughs> throw together all these things. I'm like, well, how do you do that? And she's like, well, you, know, you just have stuff at your house. And I'm like, no, I don't have no, these I don't. things at yeah. my house. But I'm not I, fancy. I love people that do. <laughs> my sister's kind of that way. Like, my sister's like, oh, y'all are coming over? Okay. And she just, like, throws together stuff. And I'm like, mm-mm. No, you have to warn me ahead of time. Yeah. I'm not a good hostess. <laughs> I have wine out the wazoo. Sure. Some sliced cheese. Yeah. I think I have a bottle of rosé in my fridge, yeah, actually. We'll just we'll just go with that. So, anyway, Lindsay, thank you so much for taking time. Because Lindsay has a job, as she mentioned, over yes. at Gatorworks. But yeah. we love to talk about this. We love local um, representation here. And just, we're very proud of what you've done. Thank girl, you so much. Girl I'm I'm just stoked to be on this podcast. I love that you guys are doing it. Yes, it's Thank a, you so much. it's also a work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> but we love doing it. But we do love yeah, doing it. We're very absolutely. excited when we are going to get to record again today. So, um, again, check her out. She's at some bookstores. You probably have an Instagram. I'm assuming, yes, you, know, um, you can find me Instagram at l i n z d u g a. So Linz Duga. Yes. Uh, like I said, I will finish this book probably by this weekend because once Yay. I get into something, um, these two think I'm crazy. I have a goal to read. 50 books this year. I'm uh-huh. sure that you probably have more than that. Maggie said, I think my goal, and she said this on the podcast, so I can repeat it. Maggie was like, you know, I think my goal is to read one book a quarter. No, have you gotten into audiobooks yet? I, She's getting there. I do. We're getting yes. there. That, that's it's great. A very efficient reading. It's a very it. efficient reading process. Yeah. Because yes. you can just be cleaning your house and then also reading a book at the same time. Oh, and I love it. It's got to be a good 
narrator. Oh, right? absolutely. Sometimes I just yeah. have the hardest time with audiobooks. Like, I want to do it, mm-hmm. but I zone out. My brain is thinking of something else. I have to I have to listen to my young adult because I get too in my head and start comparing myself to other young adult authors. Mm-hmm. And if I listen to it, it's less of an issue. <laughs> so it's easier yeah, for me for well, whatever good reason. For good for you. Well, and thank you for the book suggestions and the yeah. authors. And just thanks for being here. We're really excited. Can't can't wait to see what else is to come. Thank you so much for having me, guys. All right, listeners. Glad that we were back. Thank you all for listening. Do we have any party notes, Maggie? Um, Maggie, I mean, she on just the gave spot. me <laughs> Literally, we've been recording this podcast for almost two years. Um, do we have next month's book picked out? We do not. It's the beginning of March. <laughs> I'm not there yet. We'll, 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 we'll have one. But we have a guest on for the next week as well. Uh, then we'll do a catch-up episode. We've got some guests coming up in April, too. So, you know, we're... We're rocking and rolling. rolling. I'm telling you, we were like on a roll during COVID because we just didn't have as many commitments. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh man, this podcast is just kind of a little bit more time consuming, but we love doing it. So, all right. Thanks everyone. Hope everyone has a great week. Bye.